Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez, on a chilly but tolerable Thursday afternoon, January 23rd, 2020. Uh, we had a very exciting-ish uh, championship Sunday. Look, we had two runaway trains uh, in both the AFC and NFC championship games, more so in the NFC, that is for sure. Um, but what makes that interesting, because the games themselves were not extremely exciting because they, they weren't all that competitive, really. Um, but what makes them interesting is that you have two monsters heading into the Super Bowl come February 2nd, 2020, just two short weeks away, two sh- short Sundays away. You got to get through this weekend, and then after that, it's Super Bowl week. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're heading full steam towards the Super Bowl. Not going to have any football coverage today. And I will keep my word with that because I know every time I say I'm not going to cover something, we end up spending like 45 minutes on one topic. But today we're not going to do that. We're going to save that for next Thursday. That will be January 30th, the last episode before Super Bowl Sunday. And we will have a jam-packed show with nothing but Mahomes... Uh, Garoppolo, or maybe not Garoppolo, because that's what the 49ers have been doing. Uh, but we will have our Super Bowl picks, predictions, our prop bets. Remember we did that last year? We will have the prop bets uh, back this year. So we will have that next week. But in the meantime, and maybe for the first time in a long time, we have a basketball episode. We have It is a ball night for the crowd noise podcast we have a full 110 percent basketball episode football's winding down i know basketball has been going on for a while we haven't given it the kind of coverage that maybe you or i would have liked but none of us are perfect and we're fixing that travesty now we're fixing it today we're gonna have a full basketball episode so that will be tons of fun we have another nick's quote of the week they are becoming the raiders of the crowd noise podcast just the team that i love to make fun of they're just so easy to beat up on it makes my job a lot easier makes it a lot more fun because it's so easy and i'm having a good time you know poking at the knicks franchise because i just hate when franchises are struggling and it's entirely their own doing when they are digging their own grave and then they sit around and wondering why they're so awful. That's, that just infuriates me. And that's the definition of what the New York Knicks are. It's never their fault. It is never the Knicks' fault that the Knicks are terrible. When in reality, it's literally only their fault. And it's becoming somewhat of a death sentence to get drafted by the Knicks. So shout out to RJ Barrett. I hope he can get out of there as soon as possible. So for the second straight week, we will have a uh, a damning quote of the week for the New York Knicks. So stick around for that because that will be tons of fun, believe me. But to start off the show, let's start with something that happened almost immediately. Some fresh news in the NBA, and then we're going to get into some trade stuff, so that'll be fun too. Uh, last night, you may or may not have heard, and I'm being utterly sarcastic, there's no way that you're an NBA fan and you didn't hear what happened last night. Zion Williamson made his long-awaited 
National Basketball Association debut. Uh, started off looking like someone who hadn't played in nearly a full calendar year. I think six points in the first three quarters combined. And then he exploded for 17 in the fourth. Didn't get the job done. They didn't get the win, I should say. Uh, but Alvin Gentry, and credit to him. I, I give him a lot of credit for sticking to his guns. Again, the last time Zion played in a competitive game was in March Madness. We're nearly in February now. So it, it was almost an entire calendar year since Zion last played in a competitive game. It, it, it was his first game back. You don't rush him back onto the court and have him play 30, 40 minutes. And, you know, Zion telling Alan Gentry, you know, I can go win us this game. I can go, I can go get a win. Yeah, sure, but that's not the point. The Pelicans, are they trying to make the playoffs? Yeah, sure, they might make a race or make a run at the eight seed. But they're not going to make that run unless they have Zion. And even if they get in, they're not nearly the same team without him. So I, I have 110%, uh, 110% respect. That one was kind of a tongue twister a little bit. For Alvin Gentry, and I'm to- I totally am behind that decision to stick to the minutes restriction. It's not even like he just came back a little while ago. No, that was his first game. Like, let's pump the brakes uh, a little bit. He did have 22 points to finish the night. He went four for four from three, which actually is pretty terrifying because of Gian- if Giannis. And that was the point I was going to get to. If Zion ha- comes into the league with that three-point shot, unlike Giannis, because they do have a very similar play style, just head down full steam ahead to the rim that's pretty scary because we all talk about Giannis you know if he we always say if he gets that three-point shot and it doesn't even have to be a three-point shot if he gets a jump shot Giannis is is damn near unguardable if Zion comes into the league with those tools it's it's going to be a nightmare for the league for a very long time but you know I'm kind of the Debbie Downer sometimes I play the villain role um, it's a role that I welcome and one that I embrace. It's, I, I consider myself the rain on said parade. And the reason I say that is because if there's never any rain on a parade, what makes the parade special? You get what I'm saying? Like if there's always a chance that there's going to be a thunderstorm, that makes you appreciate the parade that much more. And I like to, be, I like to give people that perspective. So I take uh, most of the time the role of the thunderstorm. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to rain on everyone's parade. Because everyone was having so much fun last night watching Zion. And here's the problem I have with that. I'm not against Zion Williamson. I'm not rooting against him, anything like that. I just want to give people perspective. I'm going to say it again. Perspective. He did have one hellacious rookie debut. And it was one game. He had 22 points. He did play fantastic. And I would never have guessed in a million years Zion Williamson in his debut, his first ever game, shoots 100% from three-point land. I would never have guessed that in a million years. So all credit to him. But again, here comes the perspective. It was one game. It was one game. And... We're already crowning him. People are saying, can he win the Rookie of the Year while only playing half of the season? And that's where things really started to infuriate me. Because the guy who should and will win Rookie of the Year is already a superstar. And already 
is being disrespected by mainstream sports media. His name is Ja Morant. Plays point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies in case you hadn't heard already. Ja Morant is not only the best rookie this season, he's already a star in the league. John Moran is a superstar. And what Zion Williamson did last night was very impressive. But let me give you some perspective. John Morant has been doing that for this entire season. Over the course of over 40 games, we're already past the midway point this time of year. John Morant has been doing this all year long. I don't want to hear about Zion Williamson. And I get it's, it's a business. There's marketing involved. ESPN last night, and it's kind of becoming diluted and more mainstream for the casual fans, uh, is ESPN. It's getting harder and harder to find a sports network that is for true sports fans, like people who are really, really into the game. ESPN is known as like the worst baseball network. Like they, they are just the worst at covering baseball. And they're starting to trend towards that in basketball. Not so much in football, but they're getting towards that in basketball as well. And this is why. They had a countdown timer. Like like how you have for New Year's, like two hours, ten minutes, whatever left. They had a countdown timer for Zion's debut. And it was all they were talking about all day long. And by the way, Eli Manning retired yesterday. <laughs> like Eli Manning, retired, two-time Super Bowl champ, probably getting into the Hall of Fame. He retired yesterday. And the front page news was counting down Zion Williamson's debut in in the league. Look, John Morant is a star. Zion Williamson is a big name. And last year, he was the biggest star, maybe in basketball. You could legitimately, legitimately make an argument. He was the biggest star, not in college, but in basketball last season. That is a legit argument. Because he was the best player in college basketball. He just was. And John Morant, unfortunately, playing at Murray State, you're not going to get the same kind of coverage as someone who's the best player at Duke. That is just bottom line. So I understand why Zion got the attention that he got last year. And it it was warranted. He was a stud and he had the highlight plays. And Duke was a very good team on top of everything else. But times have changed. In less than one year, times have changed. They're in the NBA now. They're on the same level. Ja Morant is in Memphis, relatively small market team. This is a small market team. And Zion Williamson is on a small market team as well in New Orleans. They're on a level playing field now. And Ja Morant has already proven he is the better player. He is the bigger star. And I don't want people to overlook that. I need people to start giving Ja Morant the kind of credit that they're giving Zion Williamson because he's been a monster all year long, since January 10th, so just uh, two weeks. And he's actually, I'm going to say this, he has these three pretty solid games, and he's been kind of trending downwards a little bit. He was averaging 20 points a game less than a month ago, was John Morant. It's now down to 17. He's still balling. In his rookie season, balling. Let, let me tell you uh, these three marquee games, I guess you could say, like pretty big stat lines, uh, against New Orleans. Uh, of, of all teams, he had 16 points, nine assists against the Houston Rockets, who have, I mean, monster guards. Uh, 26 points, eight assists, and against San Antonio, 22 points and 14 assists. That's just in the last two weeks. 
and he's had better games than that over the course of the season. So Zion Williamson, yes, he deserves some level of credit, you know, for coming back from injury, and it's only one game still. We don't even know if he's fully healthy or if he can sustain health over a long period of time or over the course of a season. That will be uh, will not be seen until next season if he can play for the majority of an entire NBA uh, season. John Morant deserves a lot more credit. I'm not going to let you guys do John Morant like you've done Damian Lillard. Okay, I'm not going to let it happen because Damian Lillard throughout his career has been overlooked and disrespected for how great and how talented he has been. And mind you, he is brave enough to stay in what people consider a small market team in Portland, a team that maybe does not have or maybe has title aspirations but has never really gotten over the hump or hasn't had the weapons that teams uh, in the West have had. He hasn't had, you know, Ru- Russell Westbrook, Paul George level um, talent on his team. He hasn't had, obviously, the Golden State Warriors level of talent. I mean, that goes without saying. And people overlook Damian Lillard, and, and I'm sick of it. I don't want to see that happen to John Morant, and I'm not going to let it happen. So while everyone is having their, their the Zion Williamson parade down Bourbon Street, I want, you, I want to rain on the parade. I just want to let everyone know John Morant is a superstar. So I just wanted to let everyone know that. Everyone's kind of just jumping to conclusions a little bit. They're blowing this thing a little bit out of proportion for Zion Williamson. I just want everyone to know, yeah, that was great, but guess what? John Moran's been doing that over the course of an entire season. And he deserves the level of attention that you're giving Zion Williamson right now. And he's just as exciting. Here's the thing. Zion Williamson is... I mean, again, at this point, he's only played one game. He, he's not one of the most exciting players in the league, and it's only been one game, so I guess that's unfair on my part as well. Um, but again, I would argue he's not even the best player in his rookie class. And will he have time to prove that he is? Sure, yeah, it was one game. But it's a two-way street, Right? Everyone is crowning him already. Can he win Rookie of the Year by only playing half of the season? Can he pass up John Morant? The only context that John Morant's name is being brought up right now is if he can be passed up by Zion Williamson. And that just is absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. We need to put a little bit more respect on John Morant's name. He has been balling. So while you could say, well, you're being too harsh on him. It's only been one game. Give him a chance. I can flip the switch and say, it's only been one game. Take it easy. John Morant's been doing this for 40 games, and we're ready to crown Zion Williamson Rookie of the Year and face of the league after one game? After one quarter? Because he was lousy for three quarters in that game. Zion Williamson was lousy for the first three quarters of last night. And he turned it on the fourth quarter, and it was a gutsy performance. I think the most points scored by a rookie in one quarter ever. You can't sneeze at that. But it's a two-way street. It was one game. Take it easy. It was also one game. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on him, but by the same token, I'm going to side with John Morant here. We need to give him a little bit more credit. Um, so there is that. I just want to get that out of the way. Again, I hate to be the villain. People are not going to like me for it. That's fine. I just need to give people some perspective. John Morant is already a star in the league. Okay, We, we got to give him more respect. And Zion Williamson... As, as time progresses, maybe he'll earn my respect. I know he's gotten a lot of people's respect already, but when you compare him to other rookies in the class, like John Morant, 
who's already making an impact. Look, John Morant's already reignited an entire city. Memphis was left for dead. Grit and grind, uh, the days of Mike Conley, Zebo, Marcus Gasol, those days were long gone. How do you think they got the pick for John Morant? I mean, he's already reignited a city and a franchise in less than, in less than a season. Zion Williamson has a little bit uh, more ways to go to catch up to even his peers, in my personal opinion. So, we move on now, and it's about that time of the season in the NBA. It's late January, heading into February. Football season is winding down. And, of course, the Super Bowl is going to be... It's the Super Bowl. The, there's nothing the NBA could do to, you know, take attention away from that. And that's not a knock on the NBA. It's just... It's the Super Bowl. So, you know... But by the time February rolls around, we start talking about the All-Star game, we get more into basketball, uh, and then the trade deadline, which is kind of like in the MLB. Like That's the point where you can either win or lose an NBA championship. If you win the trade deadline, you could potentially win the NBA Finals. And the same can be said in the MLB, maybe more so in baseball. Though, I mean, I don't know. You can make an argument for either one. But the trade deadline in both sports are huge. And we are approaching the trade deadline in the NBA. So it's getting busy around the NBA. It's a big turning point in the season. And it's past the midway point in the season too. So it's kind of ironic. You only get that player for maybe the last quarter of the regular season and then into the playoffs. But of course, the playoffs, the most important time of the year. I mean, you know, it can change your franchise overnight. And while the Lakers are the number one seed in the West and they already have LeBron and AD, it's the Lakers. And you can't stop us from dreaming, right, and projecting and imagining what could happen. I'm here to tell you what they need to do. What if I were Rob Palinka, or if I just were myself and I were in charge, and if I were in charge, you know, things would be a lot different around these parts. And you've heard me say that many times. Like if I were a GM, I'd be doing things, you know, vastly different from what current GMs are doing but anyway for the Lakers there's already rumors going around and it's kind of funny because though the Lakers are I believe the second best record in the league if not top three they just got pounded by Boston the other night it was a regular season game you know in the middle of a, of a road stretch it, it happens you know credit to Boston they came in ready to play it was a rivalry game it was in Boston they were at home they were they had all the energy in the world Credit to them for winning, but on the Lakers side, it's it's not a huge deal. It was a game in January versus, you know, game three of the finals. It's, it's not the same. But despite the Lakers being a top three team in the league, as far as record is concerned, um, it seems like a lot of people don't think they can get to the conference finals, let alone win the finals. Everyone feels like they need another piece. Um, do I think they can win a championship as currently constructed? Yes. Do they need another piece? Uh, yes, both can be true. Okay, both of those statements can be true. And I think for the Lakers, that is the, the state that they are currently in. Look, their guards are horrendous. Their guards, their point guards, may be the worst in the NBA. But again, they're the number one seed in the West. Things could be a lot worse for them. Like, they're not in, in dire situation where if they don't make a trade they are dead in the water but they could definitely get better by the trade deadline and you could say that about a lot of teams you could say that about every team in the league you can get better or worse uh you know based off of what you do or don't do uh 
uh, at the trade deadline. So the Lakers have been tied to a bunch of rumors as they normally, it's the Lakers, they're going to be, um, around the trade deadline. And I'm going to tell you what they should do and should not do. All the rumors that you've heard are garbage. I'm not saying they're not true, but those trades are terrible, terrible trades for the Lakers, and I will explain why. Uh, number one, where are we here? Oh, let's start with the, the Zach Levine one. Or actually, let's do the Derrick Rose one first, because the Zach Levine one's a little bit more uh, fun, so to speak, I guess, because he's the bigger star right now. Uh, Derrick Rose, point guard for the Pistons. The Lakers do need a point guard, you know, pretty bad. Their point guard right now is LeBron James. He leads the league in assists. He's been doing a fine job, but they're not maximizing, I feel, LeBron James. I feel he's best when as a scorer, uh, and then he can facilitate off of that because if you double him, he's just going to find whoever's open, and then that person's either going to knock down a shot or hit the extra pass, and then an extra pass, and then we're running all over the place. You know, LeBron James, I think, is best when he's a scorer first and then uses his tremendous passing ability because he has, obviously, he's one of the great passers that we've ever seen, especially at his size and his position. Uh, but I'd like to see him get to the rim more. You know, as he's LeBron James. No, who is stopping him? Full momentum heading to the rim in, in this league? Probably no one. I mean, I don't see anyone stopping him with a full steam uh, going towards the rim. So I'd like to see more of that version of LeBron than the current facilitator. But again, things are still pretty good for the Lakers. They're the number one seed in the West. And that's the thing I want to point out to people. Yes, and this is why I say both of those previous statements were true. They can win the title as currently constructed. They're the number one seed. It's not an accident. Okay, do they have holes that can be fixed? Yes, every team does. Every team can be improved. But that does not mean that they're, they're necessarily bad. And they're not bad. They're the best in the West currently. So I don't know how anyone can knock the Lakers, but I'm just saying if we're going to address those holes, let's address them. Let's talk about them and, and be real about it. They do need a guard. I'd like to see them go get a point guard. Or not I'd like to. They need a point guard. As I said before, LeBron is their point guard. After that is Rajon Rondo, and he's been off the court, on and off the court with injuries. And when he's on the court, he doesn't have much of an impact. I think their other point guard after that is like Alex Caruso. So they do, they need some help at the guard position. So naturally, Derrick Rose, big star, is one of the top names uh, on the rumor mill. And let me tell you why I hate that trade. That would be a stupid trade for the Lakers. I hate every part of that idea, Derrick Rose going to the Lakers. Number one, the only way you're bringing in anybody, forget Derrick Rose, forget Zach Levine, the only way you're bringing in anybody, you're, you're, you're giving up Kuzma. Okay, there's no way it's going to be next to impossible. I'm not going to say there's no way because there are some dumb front office executives in this league, but it's going to be next to impossible for the Lakers to acquire a starting point guard without giving up Kyle Kuzma. It, there's just no way that's, that's not going to happen. So it's going to cost them Kyle Kuzma and somebody, like not just a one-for-one one, Kuzma for Derrick Rose. It's going to cost... Kyle Kuzma and someone else, if not someone else says, like multiple people for Derrick Rose. And I hate that idea because Kyle Kuzma is a young pup. Do I think, and I said this during the summer when they were trying to bring in Anthony Davis, I would have kept Brandon Ingram. I thought he had the biggest star potential and we are currently seeing that this year in New Orleans. So the psychic strikes again. 
But they did get Anthony Davis, so it's kind of spilled milk at this point. It, they, they got who they wanted. Not a huge deal. Okay, I would like to see them keep Brandon Ingram, but alas, they got Anthony Davis. It's, it's no use uh, complaining about it. Um, however, I, don't, I never bought into Kyle Kuzma being the best of their young core that they had a few years ago or just last season, um, but I, I do think he'll get better. Do I think he'll be a superstar in the league? No, but I think he will improve. I think over the, because he's so young, what is this, his third season, his fourth season in the league? He's going to get better. Derrick Rose is a depreciating asset. We saw what he was, and he was not one of perhaps the face in the league behind LeBron James at the height of his career, and he was cut down by injuries. And that's what concerns me so much. He hasn't been had. A, he has not had a major injury in a very long time. But you don't know what the shelf life is for Derrick Rose because of those injuries in the past. And yes, he is playing so well in Detroit. However, there is no other premier ball handler in Detroit. There is no one else who commands the ball the way Derrick Rose does. You can make an argument for Andre Drummond, but right now the focal point offensively is Derrick Rose, and then I'd say number two is Andre Drummond. In LA, he'd be a number three option. So you have Anthony Davis, he's the number one. Then you have LeBron James, and then Derrick Rose. I don't know how well he fits into that offense Because he's going to have to be a facilitator first. Yes, they're going to require him to get his own buckets here and there and score. But the focal point of the offense is not going to be him. So while his numbers in Detroit are extremely impressive. And he is having himself a very productive year. I'm not here to take away anything from Derrick Rose. There are no other offensive weapons in Detroit. Thus giving him the, the offensive volume that he is not going to have in Detroit. So you are trading away a player that's only going to get better for an asset that for a depreciating asset. And Derrick Rose, he's 31. He's had the major injuries. We don't know what his shelf life is. It could be one year. It could be two years. Kyle Kuzma is going to be around for a very long time. So I do not like that trade. And think about this. We already tried that. We've already tried Derrick Rose and LeBron James. It was a disaster in Cleveland. They didn't even make it to the trade deadline. They shipped him out along with half of that Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. I almost said Browns. Cleveland Cavaliers roster at the trade deadline was. I think it was that was LeBron's last stand in Cleveland. It did not work. Along with his best friend Dwayne Wade, that year was a nightmare year for LeBron James. Do not bring in Derrick Rose. Yes, he still. I mean, he has the the name value. Derrick Rose. We all remember what he was in Chicago. I mean, and he's a great player now, or a good player now. He has found a niche in Detroit. Let's not rock the boat. I do. I hate every part of that trade because it's going to cost Kyle Kuzma along with some other players for a depreciating asset and someone we don't know how well they're going to fit in with the rest of the roster. And we've already seen what it looks like with LeBron James. It didn't work. And now you add Anthony Davis to that as well. Derrick Rose is not going to have the same volume. I don't like that trade. I don't like any part of that trade for the Lakers. And again, I they can get a better value. That's the point I'm trying to make. I don't like the fit and I don't like the price. For a 30, 31-year-old point guard who's had several major injuries, I, I don't like any part of that. And here's the one where I don't hate the trade, but it's not going to happen. It's This is just not going to happen. And it's kind of, it's a little bit silly and I will humor it. But it's not going to happen. Uh, Zach Levine 
to the Lakers for a package of players like the Lakers have. Here's, here's why it's not going to happen. There's so many reasons why this is not going to happen. The Lakers don't have a package. Okay, They don't have a trade package. They used it. Their trade package, they used it. His name's Anthony Davis. They used all their package to get him. They don't have a package left. They have one guy, Kyle Kuzma, as I said before, which is why it's impossible that the Lakers can land a trade without using Kyle Kuzma. It's not going to happen because that is their trade chip. That's the last guy they have that has any kind of trade value. So it's going to cost you, and the the potential package is um, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, and like, Alex Caruso or someone, or just an insert player name here. It's going to be a three for one. That doesn't even make any sense for Chicago. It makes, it makes zero sense. You're basically swapping Zach Levine for Kyle Kuzma because of the other two guys are not worthless. I'm not going to disrespect Danny Green and call him worthless, but he's not a franchise. Danny Green is a win-now type of piece. That's why he was brought into the Lakers, to help them win immediately. And the Bulls are they're two years away from being two years away. Like They're not in a win-now scenario. That'd be the dumbest trade in the world for Chicago. It doesn't even make sense. Like Just say it out loud. Zach Levine, who's a good player. Uh, you could make a star, superstar, you know, potentially. He's had some good games. I don't know if I'd put him in superstar category, but potentially in the star category, like one tier below that. Zach Levine, Chicago's franchise player for Kyle Kuzma, who's a bench guy, Danny Green, who's averaging less than 10 points a game. And then Alex Caruso, who uh, fans like. That doesn't even make any sense. Like that, so that's number one, why that's not going to happen. And number two, this is the real reason it's not going to happen. Chicago is trying to sign Anthony Davis. Why are they going to help out the Lakers pair Zach? I mean, yeah, pair Anthony Davis with Zach Levine when they could just do that themselves. And everything that we've heard and seen points to uh, Anthony Davis re-signing with the Lakers. And I'm not saying he won't, but I will say we've seen what promises are worth in this league. If I'm Chicago, I'm not ruling out any option or any opportunity of signing Anthony Davis. Yo, Zach Levine, Anthony Davis, that's a great duo. Let's send him to LA. That doesn't make any sense at all. All, I mean, this, this, this is not going to happen. This is just not going to happen. And again, unless, unless the front office executives in Chicago are just the dumbest men in the NBA, there, I, there's no way that this can happen. There will be riots in the city of Chicago if they, if they make this pairing for the Lakers. They'd just be hooking up the Lakers. There's no incentive for the Bulls to send out Zach Levine. And the one team that could make a run at Anthony Davis in free agency is Chicago because that's his hometown and he's made no bones about it. He loves where he comes from and we all do. We all have you know a special place in our heart for a hometown. Grew up a Bulls fan. They have a legitimate shot to sign Anthony Davis. Pair him with Wendell Carter, Zach Levine as well. Why would you give him to the Lakers? This is not going to happen. Because then at that point, Anthony Davis it just guarantees he's going to stay with the Lakers. And then, you could, then you're going to have that argument, well... Maybe he would have signed with Chicago if they had Zach Levine. Maybe he only signed with the Lakers because they had Zach Levine. And of course, I'm not making the argument that Anthony Davis is trying to make a super team with Zach Levine. I'm just saying, why would you ship out your best mark, your best free agent pitch? Like, look, we have another star to pair with you. Versus if you trade him to LA, you just gave the team that he's that you're trying to fight over him for 
it, it makes no sense for Chicago whatsoever. They would be the dumbest franchise. I mean, not the dumbest because the, the Knicks are a franchise in the NBA, but they'd be up. I mean, this would be this, one of the stupidest moves I've ever seen in basketball if they traded Zach Levine to the Lakers because they're not getting equal value and they're just hurting themselves for the summer. It, it's, it's not happening. I, I would, I'd be shocked if the Bulls were dumb enough to even pick up the phone and, and talk to Rob Palenka because it, it just makes zero sense. So now... Those are all the Laker rumors. Now what? You don't like Derrick Rose. And saying Zach Levine's not going to happen. So then now what? Just don't trade for anyone? No. That's where I come in. This is my level of expertise. While everyone likes to dream and shoot for the stars, the word of the day is perspective. That's today's theme. I'm here to give you some perspective. Here's what they do. Okay? The Los Angeles Lakers. They need a point guard. Pretty bad. Okay, not to the point where like if they don't get one, they're not gonna, you know, win the West. They still can, but it'd be a whole hell of a lot easier if they did have a point guard. And I'm here to tell you who they should go after. And you may roll your eyes, but let me explain myself. Okay, give me a chance. I'm the psychic. When have I ever steered you wrong? Remember in the summer when I told you Katie and Kyrie should go to Brooklyn? Don't forget that because I did say it. I did say it. And you guys rolled your eyes and said I was an idiot. And yet here we are. And speaking of said Brooklyn Nets, no, I'm not going to say they should trade for Kyrie Irving. So stop right there. That's not what I'm about to say. The Lakers, in fact, ironically, do play the Brooklyn Nets tonight. I don't know where that's televised. You can probably find it, but that's not the point. The point is they do play the Brooklyn Nets, and there's someone on that team that they need to bring into Los Angeles yesterday. His name is Spencer Dinwiddie. Now you can hold your laughter because I'm about to explain to you how this guy could be the final piece to the Lakers puzzle. Spencer Dinwiddie is a starting point guard in the league. Throughout his career, he's played on the bench, but every opportunity he's gotten to start, he has made the absolute most of said opportunity. And I'm going to give you his scoring numbers and his assist numbers over the course of the season because he has been the Nets starter for the majority of the year because Kyrie Irving has been hurt. He is back, and Spencer Dinwiddie's numbers have taken a massive hit since Kyrie Irving has returned. And that's part of the point. Let me get to his scoring numbers first. Let me find them out. Let me find them right here. Uh, okay, right here. On the season, and man, I, these are great numbers. <laughs> these are solid numbers. And he has not been a starter for the full course of the season, majority of the season thus far. Spencer Dinwiddie, averaging 21.8 points per game and 6.4 assists. 21 points. You know no other starter on the Lakers outside of LeBron and AD is averaging double figures? Only two players on the Lakers are averaging double figures scoring-wise. LeBron and AD. Everyone else after that is not. Spencer, you're adding a 21-point score to that lineup. I could just stop right there, but I won't because I like to drive my point home. Just last year when he was a bench player... For majority of the year. And he did have an opera, he did have a long stretch where he was starting. So you kind of see both sides of it. Like he wasn't a, a bench player for the whole year, and he also wasn't a starter for the whole year. Um, but we see the opportunities that he has had as a starter. Uh, last year, 16.8 points per game, 
while being on the bench for a majority of the season. And then when he did, he did inflate his scoring numbers with that run as a starter for the Nets. They were calling him Spencer Winwitty with all of the go-ahead shots and buzzer-beating shots that he had last year for the Nets. Big reason, very big reason why, uh, why the Nets were in the playoffs last year was Spencer Dinwiddie because he held down the fort uh, during his time as a starter. And just this season, with Kyrie Irving being out for majority majority of the year to this point, you get 22 points and 7 assists. Need I say more? He's not going to command the same kind of trade value that Derrick Rose is because Derrick Rose is, his name is Derrick Rose, okay? He has the name value. We have all the memories, the fond memories of him in Chicago, the MVP. He's going to cost an arm and a leg. Spencer Dinwiddie will cost you Kyle Kuzma and then Danny Green or KCP, and then you're done with it. And think about this. You're getting a starter in return. And the reason why I like this more than the Derrick Rose trade is because this is an increase in volume for Spencer Dinwiddie. He is not a bench player. Though he has been a, he has been a bench player for basically his entire career, he has not had a full season where he's been the starter. When he has started games... He does nothing but produce. He's a volume scorer. Like he needs, he needs minutes. He needs an opportunity to get a rhythm going uh, in games. Like there are some guys who play better off of the bench. That's not Spencer Dinwiddie, and maybe that's why he hasn't gotten the opportunity to start because you know coaches might see him struggle coming off the bench and say, "Well, he can't handle the full reins." And then every time someone gets hurt and he does take on the full reins, he does nothing but ball. I mean. Ball in the first half of the season when Kyrie Irving was out. And as soon as Kyrie Irving comes back, his numbers take a severe hit. He's not a bench player. And the reason why I bring that up is because the Lakers point guards are so terrible, he would be a starter. You're getting a starting point guard in exchange for a bench forward and potentially a bench guard, depending on if you package Danny Green. Uh, Well, he's a starter. Or Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And here's why I like Spencer Dinwiddie more than Derrick Rose. The value. The Lakers do not need another superstar. Would I say no to Damian Lillard? Absolutely not. They can bring him in if if they can get him. But realistically, they don't need a superstar. They need a guard who can score for himself and just carry his load. They don't have another double-figure scorer in the starting line. They have another double-figure scorer on the team. You just need someone who can give you 15 to 18 a night. Six assists. Take off some offensive load from LeBron. Give him some extra minutes. And even Anthony Davis, like you need a score that you can pull those guys out and kind of hold batting down the hatches a little bit. That is Spencer Dinwiddie. They don't need a superstar. Zach Levine's not happening. Derrick Rose, I don't like it. Spencer Dinwiddie is the way to go. And for Brooklyn, this actually kind of makes sense as well. You're getting Kyle Kuzma, and on their team, he could be a starter because their forwards are terrible as well. I love every bit of this trade and here's the thing it's not gonna happen this trade is not gonna happen because i never get what i want this would be perfect for brooklyn and the lakers both teams can get valuable assets and remember the nets forwards are garbage they don't have kevin durant until next season so for now their forwards are terrible they have Karis LeVert, whose last five games has ha- uh, scored 16, 6, 12, 11, and 13. And he's starting, okay? So he's not really contributing. After that, they have Rodion's Karuks, and then Joe Harris, even though he's more of a shooting guard. I like Joe Harris a lot. In fact, you know, the Lakers should go get Joe Harris as well. I mean, they, 
can't have enough shooters uh, around LeBron, and then AD would just, I mean, he would command only one-on-ones in the post. It'd be a nightmare for teams, but I'm going to stop with Spencer Dinwiddie first because I don't even think I'm getting that. Like, you know when you're making your Christmas wish list and you just stop at a certain point, even though you want more things, like you just stop at one because you don't even know if you're going to get that? That's kind of where I'm at with Spencer Dinwiddie. I, I want him on the Lakers so bad. I think that is the piece because they, they're, again, they're the number one seed in the West. They're not terrible. They don't need another superstar scored, scorer. They just need a starting point guard. That's it. A starting point guard. Because they don't have one. They really don't have one right now. Spencer Dinwiddie is a starter. Hasn't gotten the opportunity, but with the Lakers, he would start because their guards are horrendous. They might be the worst in the league. And that's when he plays at his best, when he has uh, 25 minutes a game, 20, you know, like he, when he has starting minutes and an opportunity to build a rhythm offensively, Spencer Dinwiddie can be a nightmare for teams. He can score at all three levels. Obviously, he can facilitate the ball, averaging seven assists a game, and he can knock down shots from the perimeter. What more could you possibly want from a point guard in a LeBron James team? And again, the Nets is forwards. The Nets zzzz, forwards are terrible. And Kyle Kuzma, when he had an opportunity to start, when Anthony Davis was out, balling. Kyle Kuzma was looking like what we expected him to look like preseason. But when Anthony Davis comes back, he's not going to command those minutes. This is a perfect swap for both teams. Spencer Dinwiddie is not going to command the minutes in Brooklyn because they have Kyrie Irving. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. He's not Kyrie Irving. Okay, Like Kyle Kuzma, he's not Anthony Davis. This fits holes for both teams. This is why I love this trade. This is a completely equal deal for both sides. Brooklyn gets the guy that they should have just drafted years ago because remember Kyle Kuzma was a Brooklyn Nets draft pick and then was traded to the Lakers. Do not forget that. They get the guy that they were supposed to get originally. They get another shooter or, you know, wing scorer and Danny Green or Contavious Caldwell Pope, one or the other, and the Lakers getting starting guard. And by the way, they're so deep in the forward position, I don't know if they're going to miss Kyle Kuzma. I think this has they're filling a big hole and sacrificing a surplus. This is the perfect deal for the Lakers. Please, I'm praying to the basketball gods. Please let Spencer Dinwiddie come to Los Angeles. He's homegrown. This whole thing is so perfect. It's almost destiny. I want it to happen so bad. He's from Los Angeles. Grew up a Lakers fan. Grew up a Lakers fan, Dodgers fan, Trojans fan. My kind of guy. He's from LA. It's just too perfect. And we all know the Lakers fans love those kinds of stories. They like guys from the West Coast. This would fit so perfectly. Kyle Kuzma was supposed to be a Brooklyn Net in the first place. The Nets fans, I'm sure, would... I mean, everyone loves Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know how much they would like that deal because Spencer Dinwiddie, a fan favorite, and he should be. He can flat-out ball. But they do have a hole in the forward position. That's just... I mean, that's just the scenario that they have. And you're getting a starting forward in return. So you're swapping two bench players, essentially, but who would be starters on the opposite teams, respectively, because of their team's holes. So this trade has to happen. And I don't think it will because I never get what I want. I never get the things I really, really want. But again, that's not true because I I did say Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Could happen. I told you guys in the summer, I said, don't be shocked. And it happened. And while everyone's, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid on Derrick Rose, Zach Levine, I'm telling you, hey, this could happen. And it makes a lot of sense. If you look at this trade and you start to look at the rosters and the way that they're built, 
It makes a lot of sense for both sides. And I would just hate to see an opportunity like this, which is beneficiary for both teams. You rarely do you see a trade that is truly equal value and is beneficiary to both teams. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't waste it. The Lakers, Rob Palinka, get on the phone. You're about to play him tonight. You will get a first uh, opportunity to. Uh, you will get a first-hand opportunity to look at Spencer Dinwiddie and, and get to see what you're getting in return. He can play, and all the Lakers need are a starting point guard. They don't need Derrick Rose, Zach Levine, another star. They're already first in the West. They just need someone who can contribute 15 to 18 points a game, and they're getting someone who actually can contribute 28 points per game. Or excuse me, 21.8 points per game. If it was 28 points a game, this trade wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. But it's just perfect for both sides. It's perfect for both sides. Make it happen, please. It, I just get kind of sad because I don't... It's just so perfect. It makes so much sense. And it's probably not going to happen. And that's what's so frustrating. That it's, it is such a great deal for both teams. And I, it's just probably not going to happen. It probably won't happen. I hope it does. But it won't. Unfortunately. If it does happen, I'm going to be the happiest guy. And again, if it does happen, the psychic is going nuts. Because that would be another Brooklyn Nets deal that I had months ahead of everyone. Well, even though this one isn't months ahead. Because trade deadline's in a few weeks. It's just it just makes too much sense. I I I'm gonna stop because I've been going on and on and on about it, but I think it's a perfect deal for everybody. I really do. Um, I hope it happens. I really do. That's all I'm gonna say. We're done there. Let's close out the show real strong. Quote of the week. Uh, we do this every single week. At the end of the show, we find the best quote at, uh, that I heard throughout the week. We put it at the end of the show, and we call it the quote of the week. So here we go. For two straight weeks now. Uh, we're bagging on the Knicks, and what's more fun than that? What's more fun than bagging on the Knicks? They're, they're like the new punching bag uh, for this show. Here we go. Quote, I wanted to go to New York, and I thought I was going to New York. Stephen Curry on his thoughts before the 2009 NBA draft. Now, most of the time when we talk about Steph Curry pre-draft, the one team we all bag on is the Timberwolves because they had two chances to get Stephen Curry, and they missed both times. They brought in Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. And they passed on Stephen Curry twice. But now we're hearing, now it's a Knicks story. And what could be more entertaining than that? He says that he wanted, not only did he think he was going to the Knicks, he wanted to play for the Knicks. And what makes this so hilarious, and it's so uncalled for, it's so unnecessary. I don't even know the context of the question or the quote. Like it just came out of nowhere. Like as if Knicks fans didn't have enough on their plate to deal with, enough heartache. They have to now think, we could have had Stephen Curry on our team. And tell me that wouldn't have changed the entire trajectory. That would have changed history. It would have changed the future. It would have changed everything. Because then you would be able to attract free agents to New York. Because what's so... Well, I mean, you know, the Knicks are just a whole mess top to bottom. Their roster stinks. They can't hire a coach, and they've been through a few good ones. It's not like the coaches are bad. I mean, they're getting these terrible teams to work with. And then they have these these horrible deadlines. I mean, they've run through some really good coaches, have the Knicks. And then you have the the idiotic um, executives. And then you have James Dolan at the very top. So it is just a mess any which way you look at it from the Knicks' um, entire organization. It's just all the worst. 
Every facet of that organization is the worst in the league. The one thing they do have going for them is that they are in New York, and they do play in the Garden, and it's hard to turn that down. Or Actually, it's not hard to turn that down because plenty of players have turned that down over the years. But there is still somewhat of a mystique and a draw. It's the reason why the Knicks are even still talked about in any any level of context because they have New York and they play in the Garden. And, you know, you just feel like maybe maybe they can turn it around. Maybe. But they won't. They never will. But if they had Stephen Curry all these years, I don't know how many players would turn that down. Like, hey, I I get the chance to play in the Garden. I get the chance to play in New York for the most profitable organization in the league and i'm playing with another superstar a first ballot hall of famer stephen curry you know the knicks could potentially be a super team right now if they had stephen curry things would have changed so drastically it's like there's an alternate timeline in the multiverse where the knicks are like the warriors on steroids there has to be there has to be an alternate timeline where the Knicks are the greatest sports franchise ever because they have all the tools at their disposal, but they suck. They are the worst. I, I mean, for lack of a better term, they suck. They're really bad. And, you know, as if Knicks fans didn't have enough to deal with, you know, just watching their team this year after having watched their teams for the last however many years you've been watching Knicks basketball, you have to have this reminder that you could have had Stephen Curry Stephen Curry actually wanted to play for the Knicks. And yet you have Frank Nilakina right now. That's going to take us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for stopping by and listening. I really appreciate it. No football this week, but next week you can bet your barn that we're going to, that's not even a saying, but you, uh, you can bet the house. We're going to have some football next week for the Super Bowl. So uh, no games this weekend. There's basketball games, obviously, the NBA. So check those out. So enjoy those games. But I will talk to you next week.